Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today we are finishing up Dirty Stash Week. Dirty Stash. Where we're talking about two Colombian serial killers that just both happen to have large, dirty mustachios. They really are dirty humans. They are very, very dirty humans. And interestingly enough, these two could even be confused for one another. The first Dirty Stash guy we covered was... Luis Catavito, mm-hmm. and he was from Colombia, and our guy today is actually from Colombia as well. And they have some money similarities right down to their dirty stash. Yeah. Our fellow we're talking about today is Pedro Lopez, and he has an affinity for murdering little girls, whereas Luis, as we covered, had young boys yes went after preyed on young boys it makes me sad that we have two dirty stash colombian men mm-hmm. from colombia that are horrible humans monsters absolute monsters yes is where we're at it is and you're going to hear that there were a lot of similarities in their upbringing mm. which i think just ties in that nature versus nurture we, we can't discredit how much your environment shapes who you are. Oh, absolutely. And we see the same kind of trend with Mm -hmm. all of these. The serial killers that are like habitual with those long victim lists, Mm -hmm. they all have the same background. Background. Yes. And there's no exception for this guy today. He is going to sound very familiar to many of the other actual serial killers. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's let's get to it. All right. So Pedro Lopez was born October 8th, 1948 in Colombia. If you recall from my Luis Scadavito case, 1948 is right when that civil war started. Mm -hmm. About the the guy that they didn't want to die. Well, half the country didn't want to die, and he died. Okay. That's an important piece. His father was, and forgive me, you guys, because I am going to slaughter a lot of names today. And I did do Google Translate. It really doesn't help me when I'm reading my notes. I know. Sometimes it really <laughs> does fall short when you need a pronunciation. And I write, I put things in my notes phonetically, and I think it still makes me sound like a kindergartner. So just, it is what it is. You try your I'm best. I'm American. But his father was Medardo Reyes, and he died when his mom was just three months pregnant with him. So he never knew. And his, his dad. Okay. And his dad actually died during, he was fighting during the war, that civil war that had just started mm-hmm. in Colombia. His mom described him, Lopez that is, as being a polite child. At one point he wanted to be a teacher. Oh, he wow. enjoyed helping the other little kids in their town learn language especially. He was helping them with their vowel sounds. And he, and this is at a very young age mm-hmm. he was helping and he told his mom that someday he would really like to be a teacher and she really encouraged that like you're great with these kids that would oh, be wow so he was like a caring decent child yeah at the, at the beginning at the beginning mm-hmm. yeah yeah but the beginning 
That is how his mother describes him. And actually later during an interview, he also says that he remembers helping the kids in his community and wanting to be a teacher. He was raised in extreme poverty. Mm, okay. Absolute worst of the worst extreme poverty. And he was said to be number seven of 11 children. Oh, wow. So big family. No money. Also, I think there was, a, you know, different men in, in the I was mix just going to ask if there was like a father figure around because has passed away. No. no, 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 not at all. And we're going to see that come into play in a little while. Lopez, when he talks about his childhood, speaks a little bit of a different story. Lopez claimed that his mother was very violent and abusive. She was a sex worker. And he would often have to watch her engage in sexual acts, as we've seen time and time again. And the men would then physically abuse her, but also him and the siblings as well. So he saw way more than any child should. Mm -hmm. At the age of eight, Lopez ran away and his mom believed that that he was kidnapped by a neighbor. She looked all over for him. She even went to a fortune teller who told her that he got into a car with a man from the same side of the war that killed his father. So she assumed that it was her neighbor because she knew that that particular neighbor was on that side of the Civil War. Gotcha. She borrowed money to go and look for him but did not find him during one of the documentaries that I watched. She said, I, all I did was just cry. I was crying and crying and crying, looking for him. Now, she describes that she was a very loving and kind mother. So there are some discrepancies. Mm-hmm. Like the truth in the middle. Ex- yeah. Somewhere. In their experiences. Personally, and certainly from experience as a social worker that we've seen, I, I'm i sure that life was not easy oh, for Pedro. Yeah. Growing up in an extreme poverty, I believe 100% that his mom was a sex worker. She had to make ends meet somehow, and that was the option available. And as we know, that often can bring about other issues as well. Um, I'm sure that she probably was physically abusive in some way at a small, you know, you and I both know that small children have absolutely no idea why you're hitting them. When you hit them, I don't know how many times I had clients that would hit their children because they hit their sibling. <laughs> Literally yeah. hitting them and then yelling at them, don't hit. And, it's like, and they're hitting them. How do you tell a small child not to hit when you're doing the same thing to them? Yes. Saying, don't do that. Exactly. So I believe that both of them, you know, she saw herself as being a disciplinarian and just trying to raise Do the best she could, probably. Yep, and he saw it as abusive. So she was very, in the interview, very distraught about him being kidnapped, as she thought. Pedro openly says he ran away. Mm -hmm. He was tired of living in poverty. He's eight years old. He ran away. And he immediately learned how to survive, but it was through violence and hatred. It is believed that it was on the streets after he was eight years old that the serial killer in him was born. So did he ever return home after that? That's such a young age to run away and like I will try get, to make it on your own. I will get to that, but okay. it is not until much later in life okay. that he returns so home. So he's out there for a while at the age of eight. He is. Oh, that's so sad to me. He describes himself at this age as, the, as being very alert, very spirited, but also living in complete filth. 
Mm. He said that from the get-go, his life has been dishonest from what he felt was being abandoned. He, Yes, he had run away on his own accord, but up till that point, he didn't have a father figure. There was a lot of traumatic things happening at home okay. between his mom's sex work, him witnessing it. There's another account as well that said his mom kicked him out at the age of eight because he was caught fondling the breast of one of his younger siblings. But in any documentary that I watched that had actual interviews with Pedro, that wasn't his take on it. But that also wasn't the mom's take on it because all the documentaries also interviewed his mom. Mm -hmm. And And she didn't mention that at all either. So I don't know where the information came from, but I thought it was worth noting just in case somebody else starts looking into this and says, wait, Charnel, he was fondling. He got kicked out. Yeah. Well, his mom says she went looking for him and that he was, she believed he was kidnapped. And she believed that for a very long time. He had described his time in the streets as that he dug through garbage for food and clothing and that he belonged to the underbelly of the city. He started smoking a popular form of unpurified cocaine and joined a gang of homeless boys for survival. They have a specific name. I'm not even going to attempt to butcher it. It would would make zero sense. But it's like the gang of boys. It is the gang of street boys. And in Colombia, they have a specific name for homeless children, and that's, that's what they were. Literally the only way to survive is to steal Steal and and take everything that you have and to fight for it. Mm -hmm. They would fight other homeless boys for the best sleeping spots to sleep in the city, for food, for anything that you can think of that you need to survive. They had to fight for it. That is so incredibly sad. Yes. And when I say fight, I mean they made knives for themselves. They made weapons. Anything that they could turn into a weapon, they would. Wow. And yes, then there's the the very popular unpurified form of cocaine that he started. Also, at a very young age, we're talking under ten years old. What that does to the mapping of your brain? Oh my gosh! Yeah, is that intense. Mm-hmm. So the thing about his gang of homeless boys that he was with, though, they stuck together. They defend one another. They are like a family. Mm-hmm. This was his only experience with feeling a sense of belonging yeah unfortunately it was with very hard harsh mm-hmm. human then, beings but he had some kind of sense of he that did. yep of, of being really a part. twisted family yep it being but, a part of something yeah. and he was taught they taught him i mean obviously they're boys of all ages so they taught him everything he knew basically about being a very violent mm-hmm. human being mm-hmm. for survival Lopez said it was during this time that he was hardened by life. He also said that he was sexually abused by a man who lured him away with the promise of food and shelter. Since that experience, he has always wanted to punish those responsible for his lot in life. He was taken to, instead of being taken to a home and given food and a bed as promised, he was taken to an abandoned warehouse for a long time and sexually um, abused yes yep why are people so horrible that makes me so sad there's if you're just living a very normal life right now and we all have things that we'd like to improve about our life and things that we feel justified in complaining about just remember that there is so much worse things going on in the right. world sometimes that helps to put things I know, into perspective when you think, gosh i've had a bad day or yeah. gosh i have problems it's like 
wait. I can't even wrap my brain around yeah. some of the things that are, you know, the victims or even the, the you know, the childhood of the serial killers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we feel bad for the child. Yes. Not the killer. But yeah, I sure. can't even fathom what they went through. When he actually said that when he would pass a male adult that does not, that he is seeing that male adults not respecting a young child, like maybe he's walking on the street and sees an adult yelling at a child or whatnot, he butts into what he called, quote, fix that person. Oh, wow. He would not elaborate on what that meant. I'm assuming could, it was in a violent way. Yeah, it could be a, yeah, mean a lot of things. Yep. Um, he knew that the police weren't going to do anything about his sexual assault. He knew his lot in life. One of the very prevalent themes throughout all the research was that the poor people of Colombia very much felt in the, this time that the police are only there for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. They are not there to help any one of lower income means. So he kind of knew that his, you know, story wouldn't matter nope. if he were to go get yep. help. So he did not because no one's going to help a straight boy, essentially. He would then, at, at, from that point forward, he became very paranoid and would only go outside at night. Oh, absolutely. Tra- trauma. I mean, I can't imagine the trauma. Yep. So this person, this man held him captive for quite a while. It didn't give specific days and I don't want to speak on that as if I know because I just couldn't find anything concrete but it wasn't just like one small incidence of being sexually assaulted and then he was released Mm -hmm. gotcha it sounded like he kept him for a bit regardless it was right traumatizing and horrific for Mm -hmm. him so now that he's only going out at night, that really limits his ability to panhandle for money um, and his ability to gather food and clothing safely, things like that. He did encounter an elderly American couple while he was begging on the streets, and they offered him a home because the sight of him begging broke their hearts. And that mm-hmm. was a direct quote from Lopez. That's what they told him. So he was enrolled in a school for orphaned children. For a couple of years, he actually had a really stable life with this family. Oh, wow. So he did go with the family. He did. Yep. And they treated him right and everything went really well. Until at the age of 12, a male teacher sexually molested him at school. Come on. Isn't it astonishing how we see these, you know, with these cases, they repeatedly are targeted for sexual abuse. I was just going to say that, that how does one person encounter so many different evil people? I know. Or on the flip side of that, perhaps that is enlightening to us of just how frequent sexual abuse Mm -hmm. is. Oh, it is. It's it's terrifying. at this time when it was not brought to the forefront, we did not have preventative measures. We did not have um, Nobody even talked about it. They did not. Yeah. No. And there mm-hmm. really weren't harsh punishments, that, you know, either. So we're talking about the 50s here. Mm-hmm. So it was a don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, there's just they so can just many. prey upon. Especially the young boys. Yes. That, And I'm not saying it didn't happen with, with women. We know that it happens too. But we've had a lot of these serial killer cases where they're just repeatedly targeted yep. for, for rape and sexual No matter abuse. where they go. Yeah. And here this kid is in, in a school that's for orphans, which uh, that's where a predator is going to go. And we know predators know how to target. Yes. You know, they know the, the most vulnerable. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the least likely to draw attention. And oh, yeah. 
So what Lopez did after he was molested by the male teacher, he stole money from the office and ran away, from, oh. which he returned to the streets. He left the American couple never to see them again. Oh, my goodness. So he's back on the streets, and he says, I led a backwards life. I had no support or help, and what I needed most was support. He lived 13 years on the streets, and at the age of 21, it's 1969, he was arrested for stealing a car. So he was able to live for 13 years wow. doing all that thieving, all of that mayhem. He spent most of his life on the streets. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, despite his... And even his early years before he ran away from his mom at the age of eight, it wasn't great. Yeah. It sounds mm. like he was fending for himself. Mm-hmm. Then, then, too. Then, too. He spent two days behind bars and was brutally raped by two older oh inmates. He was smaller in stature. I mean, he had all of the unfortunate, perfect prey things. Qualities. To- yeah. To make him an easier target. And mm-hmm. it's just tragic. Again, we feel sorry for him up till this point. Mm -hmm, For sure. So what he did in retaliation of being brutally raped by these older inmates is he fashioned a knife out of a prison utensil and he killed both of them. Mm. So this is where it starts. Yes. Those were his first killings. Those were his first killings. And in 1969, when he was already in prison for stealing because he'd been raped. And he actually said this opened a new chapter. In his life. Mm -hmm. At this point, he had went from brutal violence to just now full-on killing. He vowed at that time to seek his own brand of justice onto the world that had treated him so harshly and had given him such hard circumstances to live with. At 23, he was released from prison, which is now 1971, and he immediately went on the hunt for his own form of justice between 1971 in 1980. He was not given extra prison time for the murders. They considered it self-defense. Oh, wow. So they kind of cut him a break. They did. Yep. Which I'm sure happens very frequently there. Yeah. The the self-defense. Yeah. So what he does in 1971 when he gets out immediately, he starts searching for easy targets in Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. He targeted the poorest children who would be uneducated, and more likely to come with him willingly. These are his people. He knows mm-hmm. how to spot them. Oh, yeah, for sure. He also preyed on indigenous people and never chose a white child. So was it like he had this now hunger to kill after? Is that what he was intending to do is kill? It was. Okay. He later says his motive was that, this is going to kill you. His motive was that he was saving these girls from their lot in life because he had to endure it all these years. So he was ending their misery. Yep. Oh, Lord. But raping them first, of course. Of course. Okay. We don't we don't feel bad for him anymore. We do not. This is the point where we're done. It stops. Yep. Because he was the ultimate predator to little girls only Mm. between Mm. the ages of eight and 12. Like you said, he knew how to spot, you know, he grew up that way. He He knows what a vulnerable child looks like on the streets. And I found it interesting that he only chose the ages of when in his life, what what, the parallel in his life Mm -hmm. of where things really went wrong and raping started for him. Mm -hmm. And he started living on the streets. There's 
There's some correlation there there for Mm -hmm. sure. What he would do was he would pose as a salesman and tell the girls that he was lost, asking them for help to the bus or to on his way out of town. And like I said, he would only pick victims between the ages of about eight to 12. He would draw them away, never physically kidnapping them. He never once actually kidnapped through what we would typically call a kidnapping Mm -hmm. of forcing forcing a child to come. come. He preyed on their innocence and their need to want to help an adult, as we have seen. Oh, yeah. Remember Myra Henley Mm -hmm. and Ian Brady? That's exactly who was coming to mind. Yep. Could you help me with this? And they they come across friendly. Which to me is the ultimate evil. Oh, for sure. I don't know why that gets me so hard, but it does. Because... Kids do, they're just like dogs. They want to please. I know. And they naturally will help if an adult, a friendly adult is like, hey, could you help me with this? Yes. They, they, they instinctively be, will go and help. Helpful and mm-hmm. seek praise. It's just a part of our development. And before anybody gets offended, I love dogs as much as kids. So that's why I just oh compared God. the two. Yeah. I mean, dogs are my life. <laughs> if we have any non-dog lover listeners, they're probably like, oh, my God, she just compared a child to a dog. In my book, they're one and the same. I support <laughs> your comparison. My children would probably say that I love the dogs more. But you know what? They're always happy to see me. My kids, I can't say the same. You know what? I've had the same conversation in my own home. <laughs> Because the love for my dog is so strong that sometimes, you know, there's a little jealousy. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm just saying my dogs have never complained about what I've fed them. And I give them dog food. They'll eat anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dog food is what they eat most of the time. Yes, yes. Like, they're grateful for treats and they love you. And Just tonight I got a whole bunch of sass over chicken parmesan. I was like, you know what? Just be happy you have a mom that's going to cook for you. Right. You ungrateful brats. (laughs) So then I told them they could cook their own effing dinner mm-hmm. if they didn't like it. And suddenly, chicken parmesan is just fine. Yeah. Weird. You know who would have eaten the, the chicken parm with no problems? The dogs. The dogs. Just saying. Just saying. So. <laughs> anyway. So he didn't. He never had to actually physically kidnap any of the children. He led them away and they went with him willingly. Isn't this such a important reminder that... Like teaching your kids about the grooming yes. is so yes. important. And no matter how nice this stranger seems to be, and I don't want to say he looked nice because he was actually a pretty filthy man. He was really gross There's looking. There's a reason we're covering him for Dirty Stash yes, Week. there is very much a reason. He had a very dirty stash. He looked questionable, um, but I can see if he put on like some friendliness how somebody would be like, okay, I'll help you, yeah. but... You know, and these are children from extreme poverty. Yeah, they're this is what they're used to seeing. So what he would do is take them to remote places so that if they screamed, no one would hear. I hate him. I know. He would sexually assault them and then spend the night with them and then sexually assault them again Mm. before strangling them to the point of death, of course. And he would spend basically as much time with them as he could before moving on. Mm. Like yes. after he he killed them? Nope. Nope. Once he killed them, he discarded them. Um, okay. He didn't really bury his victims. He would literally just put them in a ditch, hide them somewhere, cover them with shrubs. His MO was just to cover with branches, shrubs. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this in the previous episode about the um, environment of Colombia and how there's a lot of the thick shrubbery and, and, and yeah. jungle-esque type uh 
Jungle-esque. I like that word. So with him, when he was spending time with them, is that his kind of sick justification of, like, I'm putting them out of their misery and I'm going to, like, comfort them? Yes. Yes. I... I believe so. He didn't give a whole lot of detail other than just to say that he would spend try to spend them. the night with them. And his the death toll on him, as we will see in a minute, is extensive. Mm-hmm. He basically lived just to do this. I mean, it was night after night. Oh my god! He had a victim. Wow. And so he's he's doing this during that same time frame where there was the war going on. And he's picking advantage of the economic circumstances Mm -hmm. and the political upheaval transient children that nobody will notice right away away. to try to cover knowing he knows their family will notice just like Garavito did. But knowing the police aren't going to do anything about it. And it was true. Mm -hmm. That's what we will see consistently. And then that plays into a part of how he's taken down as well. And he would justify and say that he would strangle them instead of just letting them go because he wanted to help them go to heaven so that they would not suffer in this world. Making himself into the hero. hero. Mm -hmm. And it's really scary what your mind can make you believe to justify your actions, which sociopaths such as Lopez are very good at trying to justify themselves Mm -hmm. and making it sound very poetic and philosophical and they believe it and that's how he spoke often he tried to sound very philosophical for his his views on life and death another trend we see uh-huh often and in this won't surprise you either he was actually quite intelligent and you know i was thinking that earlier when we started because some of the quotes that you have mentioned and like it's like it's like okay he had some insight about himself he was he was he aware, um, mm-hmm. you know, they often are very intelligent. Yes. Jeffrey Dahmer was extremely intelligent and very well-spoken. Mm-hmm. He was actually a soft-spoken fellow. Ian Brady. But yes. Very intelligent. Thing. And there, this is what get, gets me, though. They are highly cognitively intelligent, but they're, they lack the social-emotional. Mm-hmm. That part of their it's brain not is not there. It did not develop. They literally have zero capability to have empathy and to understand that the world isn't all just about meeting their pleasure needs and their needs. They don't understand other people have needs, mm-hmm. like a need to live. Mm-hmm. That is, But that's what's I mean, really put yourself for a second, you guys, in that position where you can't force your brain to do something that it's not capable of doing. That part of their brain is not developed. They can't, they literally can't feel empathy. They can't mm-hmm. feel guilt. They can't feel sorrow. It's so hard for me to wrap my brain around it because I am so the absolute such, opposite Right, such of an that. empathetic person. So, like mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah. I mean, I cry all the time during our episodes for crying out loud. It, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. You know? I cry listening to other people's podcasts. Yes. It happened to me today, as a matter of fact. They were crying. I was crying. Mm-hmm. We, we all cry. Right. Like, I'm taking a walk and it was ridiculous. Yeah. But it's just not there it's in their not. brain. So it it is hard for us to imagine, but I just just imagine how like literally they're like, What's the problem here? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand. Yep, that person's like dead. I was helping. So what? what's yeah, I don't see the issue. And the other thing, the other troubling thing is that they're so intelligent that they understand what they need to say to get themselves out of the situations because mm-hmm. they're very good at manipulating. They understand what's expected of them. They just don't have they they just don't care they don't have the capacity 
to care, to feel guilt, to yeah. feel remorse. It's like on Dexter when he, he would fake the emotions. Yeah. He talks that's, about in the first episode that he doesn't feel them, but he knew how to fake them. That is 100% what all of them are do. Mm-hmm. It's what Lopez <clears throat> does. Any serial killer does. Yeah. And it's just so sad because you have the capacity to do something really amazing with your brain. But unfortunately, your lack of social emotional skills and your your path that you choose to murder and maim for your own pleasure, it takes away your life. I know. I mean, really. It's very unfortunate. He would go through cooling off periods and then look for his next victim, which is very um, textbook for serial killers. Yeah. But his his reign of terror was from 71 to 1980, and he claims to have killed over 300 people. 300 oh little girls. As we'll see, that's not how much he gets convicted for and how many bodies they find. So I do think that there is a part of grandiose situation going on here like as he, well. Okay, like he wanted that number to be he did bigger. He and, did, gosh. but his cooling off periods weren't real long. So on May 5th, 1979, Lopez asked Hortensia Gonzada to be his guide in the city because she was selling newspapers. And so he was asking her to help him navigate the city. Mm-hmm. The reason she was selling newspapers is because her mother was pregnant at the time and needed some help. Oh, He gave her what the what was equivalent to 10 U.S. dollars and ended up leading her to a bridge where under the bridge he raped her, beat her, and then strangled her. He covered her body with the same newspapers that she had been selling. When she did not come home that night, her father searched for her. They did go to the police, but the police continued, as they did with all the other girls, because remember, I've now moved on to, I've taken us to 1979. So, so between 71 and 79, it's the worst of the worst between Colombia, uh, Peru, and Ecuador. And these families are reporting this girl, these girls missing, mm-hmm. but they're not, the police are doing nothing about it. So Hortensia's family did report it. As the police did with all the other girls, they claimed they were runaways. Nope, they're just running away, trying to find a different lot in life, which don't does you, happen too. I was going to say, don't you but, feel like that's kind of a thing with, I mean, you see all those missing person cases in the stores, and you're like, I, I would always wonder, how much is being done to find these kids, or is it just chalked up as like, eh, they ran away. Yep, exactly. Now, Hortensia's parents said the police are against the people. Only the rich have access to police and justice, which is such an oppressive way to live. My heart just breaks for them. Oh, I know. The police also then started to take uh, to make statements saying these girls ran away because they were failing school. Like they weren't mm-hmm. going to get anywhere else in life. So they ran away. Just a label that, labeling them because they're poor. Correct. They're... Hortensia's mom put ads in the newspapers ask offering a money reward and everything and nothing turned up it just breaks my heart that she was like out selling papers to help her mom Mm -hmm. who's pregnant and yes now by 1980 there were dozens of missing girls between the age of 8 and 12 bodies were being found at this time okay so they're starting to find bodies they were they they're still yes this whole time they had stumbled upon bodies it wasn't being reported on because the police literally had no leads they could tell they knew they were raped and strangled 
That's all they knew. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, this is in, in different areas. This is between Peru, uh, Ecuador, and Colombia. So they're not, the jurisdictions aren't talking to one another. So did he kind of like triangulate through like the three places? back? Yep. Yep. He went all back gotcha. and forth and all around. So they have no leads, no suspects, and it's not being reported on because these are very poor children. Yeah. Okay. Now, on February 14th, 1980, Lopez went after the nine-year-old daughter of a successful baker in the same area that he took Hortensia from. Her name was Ivanova Akovia. She was supposed to be bringing her dad something to eat. He described that he had his bakery, but about, I think he said like 15 blocks away, he had an office mm-hmm. building. And so she typically would bring him his lunch to the bakery, the oh, um, to okay. the bakery, okay. yeah, from the office to the bakery. And he, when she did not bring his lunch as he was supposed to he reported his daughter missing oh wow and police responded he's a successful well-known baker in the area so they they so the police responded oh my gosh i mean i'm glad they responded but how sad right and it hits the media i mean he gets the ball rolling here but it took a prominent man Mm -hmm. to have his daughter be missing Mm -hmm. before it took notice it sparks the media's attention which then domino effects into them putting the pieces together that holy shit there's a lot of little missing little girls it's not just prominent it you took know. them that long to be it like did. oh wait a second yep so it and, it and it took a prominent man's successful man's daughter going missing before anyone else's caught the media attention and how many years nine yeah Eight? 71 to 80 we're now at february 14th 1980 so 22 days later, her body was found in a little shack on a farm on the outskirts of town. He, his, her dad had to identify her body at the oh, hospital morgue. How horrible. And now the news coverage is released that her body was found and the citizens are on high alert, which is good. Mm-hmm. Ecuadorians everywhere became very weary because... They are now learning of this significant amount of girls missing. On March 9th, 1980, Carlina Ramon was working a market when she was approached by a man who'd been peddling the market all day. She had seen him peddling around. Mm -hmm. He asked her to sell him some food, but he kept looking at her daughter like he was trying to get her attention. Now, Alicia Ramon was her daughter, and she comes over to her mom and is like, this man... Keeps lo- what she said was this man keeps looking at me ugly and oh. trying to get me to come to him. Okay, so she was picking up that creeper vibe. She was. It's exactly what I put in my notes. <laughs> she had a creeper radar. Good. Good for her. Plus, Carlina had told Alicia and her other children about this man on the loose. Okay, good. So they were they yeah. were like aware to amazing look for that. what awareness will do. Yes, come yes. on. I this is just such. A badass move. Carlina knew of the missing children, so she followed him. And she got a group of other vendors from the market to follow him and catch him. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just outside of the plaza of the market, Carlina and others apprehended him and drug him back into the market where she accused him of kidnapping and killing all the other little girls. Hells, yes. I know. Tell me they had the right person. They did. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Good. He, of course, tried to turn on his grooming charm. Mm-hmm. He claimed that he's a hum- just a humble, poor man. 
that he has a clean heart. Were they like not today, dirty stash? Oh, they knew. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yes. That's that's. They knew he was lying. That's all it takes is that dirty stash right oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> One dirty stash mm-hmm. makes you look very suspicious. They held the man until police came in to take him into questioning. They knew, like th- mm, that. I he, just want to applaud these people. Right, that he was lying. Uh, also, a dirty stash. At this time, we are talking about the 70s and 80s. It cannot be confused up. with a 1970s porn stash. Okay, that's totally different. Y'all <laughs> Maybe know the look to, I'm talking about. like, post a graph. Right. Or, you know, yes. This stash, it. okay. This, this, <laughs> this one avoid. Yeah, this is the dirty, dirty stash. stash. It's for the greater good of the world. The wrong kind of dirty yeah. stash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not the 70s porn dirty stash. Right. That one's okay. Well, we'll post pictures of both dirty stashes <laughs> and they will know. What a true dirty stash We've got to teach our listeners how to properly vet people. (laughs) Now, Pedro Alonso Lopez was questioned. At first, he refused to talk. Then, after a few hours, he starts talking. I want to tell you there's two counts of what happened. One account says that he started to grow very close to a fellow cellmate. Okay. okay. Because at first he wouldn't talk, so they put him back in the cell. And he starts bragging to the cellmate, and the cellmate was actually an undercover cop. Oh. By the name of Captain Pastor Godova. Now, did they plan that? To yes. try to get him to yep. talk? Okay. Yes. So that's one count. I like it. The other count is just that during questioning, Captain Pastor Godova knew he was going to have to really connect with this guy if he wanted to get him to talk, mm-hmm. and so that's what he did. Either way, however we get to the road that we are on, mm-hmm. the point here is that the captain does a damn good job of playing into his need for a father figure. Okay. And he So it's connects. almost like some grooming going on. I know. It's like it, it is... Twisted it, way. In a twisted, it's, he, it's like he knew exactly how to handle a man like Pedro yeah. Lopez. Well played. Mm-hmm. I've never heard a good situation like that. on you, Captain. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's the captain, because he's damn good yep. at his job. Yep. What he does, what Lopez does is starts bragging about all the little girls that he's killed. Whether it was intentionally to the captain just from growing close to him in that short amount of time or if he was bragging to what he thought was another inmate it doesn't matter because even if it's if he's thinking he's talking to another inmate at the end what i can tell you is that he when once he got the ball rolling of admitting to all this he stayed like connected to cap the captain oh yeah okay so he like somehow felt this bond with the captain right so even if he was tricked into it it didn't seem to affect lopez he's still like i connected with you yeah and so and and the captain kept playing the part Mm -hmm. okay interestingly enough the same day that he was captured they actually the family actually buried ivanova and so it was on her funeral day that the family learned who their daughter's murderer was because it was only a couple hours after he'd been apprehended that they learned the truth that he admitted to mm-hmm. to get they, they got his trust and he admitted that's a lot for a family to have to process, process on all one at day. once yes definitely what he tells them is that he spent the last seven years between Colombia Ecuador and Peru raping and murdering as many as three hundred plus little girls if this is true he's the worst in history it seems unbelievable until they started finding the bodies with the help of Lopez now this is what we see time and time again. 
He loved the attention. Yeah. He yeah. loved to... I'm sure he had some incentive to, to help he and did. to find the bodies. And as we have seen, that's some sense of decent treatment and some type of attention. Well, so this yeah. is what they did. They gave him coffee. They gave him cigarettes. They gave him chicken, which I was like, hmm, in America, hmm. it'd be steak. But Have in Colombia, chicken. Yeah, yeah. In, or in Ecuador, they're in Ecuador right now. In Ecuador, it's chicken. But they did. They treated him very well to keep him talking. Mm-hmm. Not in like a bribing, you guys, because the reason that I say that is because he legitimately leads them to all the all of to graves. All of the graves in Ecuador. This is not including the graves of Colombia and Peru. Yeah. This is just in Ecuador. It's hard when you hear about them getting this treatment, but then the important, the goal was to find the children. And so that was accomplished. Exactly. And as a, as a social worker, I've been there. I've had that fine line. I've sat and had to be nice to horrific pedophiles before just in hopes that he will continue to believe that I'm enjoying every gruesome detail that he's giving me. Just to collect the details. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I've i been there and I can see this, but in the end, they are literally putting the nails in their own coffin. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's so a hard... So you have to let them. It's a hard con- concept to wrap your brain around. I've seen a couple interviews, too, where people had commented, like, why the heck are they being so nice? Well, you can't go in treating, you know, telling the person what a, a right. piece of crap they are. Right. Where are you going to get? They're not going to tell you anything. Yep. Where are you so. going to get with that? Uh, so and I'm glad that he at least did lead them to finding some of the bodies. But he did. I'm assuming maybe he not le- only. Well, he led them to through a six-week journey. Oh, wow. He led them to 57 bodies. He remembered every single one of them, what they looked like. He remembered the dates. He remembered the times. That is crazy. They were very impressed by that, but that's what sociopaths do. Uh This is also very, very common. Typically, they diary about it, but he was homeless, so he really had nowhere to, you know, like, Luis got a veto kept diaries and, and then in his bags, bags and stuff. Yeah. Yep. He didn't, he had no place to this, take that stuff, so he just remembered it that is so yeah we've obviously heard of they always have their trophy of some kind i've never heard of somebody keeping track of all of that mentally like so clearly so i'm not gonna say i'm impressed i'm like disgusted but wow and it's a lot it is a lot he wanted a twisted sense of immortality Mm -hmm. okay because as and he was really proud of his accomplishments he offered to take the police to the graves he really enjoyed, as we've seen before, too, reliving it. Taking him to the graves mm-hmm. is a whole nother way to relive this fantasy. Yes. What the police noted the most was how cold he was during the investigation and during uncovering the grave sites. This is something that was so traumatic for all the police officers oh, gosh, that I can't were imagine. there and accompanying him. And it unsettled them. How matter of fact and cold he was giving them descriptions. At one point, he picked up a little girl's skull, put it like underneath, propped it underneath his arm, and (gasps) asked the police officer to take a picture of him. No. Oh, yeah. You talk about wanting to keep trophies. That's what he was doing. He wanted that photo. My God. Please tell me they didn't. No, they did not. And the captain immediately took the skull away. And at that at that site, they were you know they found the body that they needed to find. They ordered him away. Gosh, that makes me sick. 
They took him to 11 different Ecuadorian providences to uncover graves. No one knew that Lopez was leading them to the grave sites. They dressed him up as a policeman. They shaved his dirty stash. They shaved the stash They off. had to shave the dirty they stash. They should have waxed it. Identifying Mark. Uh, oh, I hope that they waxed it with some really non-powerful wax. Yes, like, like dollar store wax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Dollar general. Stuck. It is. Yeah, and it's, it's still not stuck. really Ugh. warm. And you just have to keep pulling. And yes. It, and it's bleeding. And it and takes like two hours yep. to get all the wax off. And that's you have a rash. And... In my mind, that's how they got rid of the dirty stash. I mean, not that I know because I don't have a dirty stash. <laughs> of course. But it's because <laughs> you wear <laughs> <laughs> no oh my gosh yeah they, so they sh- they sh- cleaned him up so did. he didn't look like such a piece of crap when yeah. they were taking him out to- yes okay and they dressed him up as a police officer because they knew listen the citizens were outraged mm-hmm. okay they wanted him dead mm-hmm. and rightfully so yep and so they knew if they took him in public there there would be no stopping a mob of people from tearing him limb for to limb sure. for sure and there is a dark part of me that just wishes that's what we could do. Just right. let the natives have them, mm-hmm. you know. I'm picturing the mob from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> they're pitchforks. Yes, yeah. And they're, they're um, what are those things? The, <laughs> all the lanterns, but then like the sticks on fire with hay. Yeah, yeah, What are yeah. those things called? Um, Gosh, what are they called? Somebody write us and tell us what they're called. But you know what I mean. It's a stick, and it's got straw or hay at the end, and they're on fire. Which, by the way, would burn so fast. I don't even know how it... I know. It, what a I mean, I know they idea. put, like, a, a certain... It's, like, fat or something they put on it oh, in the old times burning. to keep it burning. Yeah, slower, but... I personally could never have one of those. I would set everything on fire. <laughs> Not by choice, Especially but just because, because I'm clumsy. I talk with my hands. Yes, like, literally. <laughs> everything would be a burning. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... So, yeah, so that's how they prevented the I'm sure citizens. That they, I would have had a scowl on my face every moment of trying to clean that man up and put the police, nice clothes on him. The police really did not relish their time with him. Oh, no. They, it really traumatized them to hear him be so cold and matter not, of fact about the matter, murders. Yes, and not have any guilt, not have any remorse. And here they are also having to process the remains mm-hmm. and knowing what they're dealing with and just imagine being in that moment and you're feeling so terrible for this victim and what you're seeing, you're physically seeing with your eyeballs is traumatizing. And but you still then have you to have, be decent. Yes. And you and professional. Yeah. And you have the man who did it, who is not remorseful, who hey, is can I get enjoying a photo? this. going to post it on my Insta. Yes. And you, and you know, thank God Insta wasn't thank a God. thing. But, but that yeah, is like, how he was acting. And you still have to remain decent so he will keep talking. Mm-hmm. That would be... One of the hardest things I can't even yes. imagine. Yes, and you know these police officers were, a lot of them were probably fathers themselves. Some probably even had little girls. I mean, mm-hmm. all of it is just so tragic to, for them to have to deal with. But yeah. just having him there, I can't even imagine. You know, it's not how we process crime scenes typically today now. No, so no. that a, adds a whole extra level of trauma and horridness. Oh, you would never be the same To have to deal like with. It was in the outskirts of the city is where they started the search, which led them to skeletal remains of Hortensia Gonzada, as I'd mentioned earlier. The clothing were still on the child, but all that remained were bones. He lured her away, like I said, 
He had killed her 10 months before, and she was identified by the clothing that she was wearing by her family. The family saw her remains, and they wanted to kill Lopez. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Her father was screaming and shouting at the police, justice, justice. Now, at this time, they don't know that Lopez is there. Okay. They don't realize that. They think that it's just the police. Oh, and he's with them. And he's them. with them. Oh, my god. And gosh. they're screaming that they want him dead, oh. that they want justice, justice. That's just a lot to take in, mm-hmm. honestly. That's really, that's so sad. Did they ever find out, or am I jumping ahead? Did they ever find find out he was there? When... I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. So in total, 57 victims were unearthed during the six weeks. The captain that I told you about that he got really close to, mm-hmm. he started calling him Papa. <gasps> no. That is where his psyche was at. And the captain just let him do it because he kept talking. And right. And he kept, you know, going along with it. He had no father figure and he was looking to fill that void in his life. And he found... In his life. Mm-hmm. And the captain filled that purposefully for to him. To get what he needed. Mm-hmm. He was charged with 110 counts of murder based on his confessions and the 57 recovered bodies, but he claimed over to, to have killed mm-hmm. over 200 more. But he said, quote, I am the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. So to me, I feel like him saying that is he's going to be the best even when talking about being tr- depraved. Yeah. He like has he to was be the best, the best at, at something. Mm-hmm. And then he said, perhaps I took it too far because of my ignorance. During the trial, the families were not convinced that they would get justice because they knew the laws weren't written Mm -hmm. in the victim's favor. Mm -hmm. And Lopez knew that as well. In Ecuador, the sentence is the same whether you kill one person or hundreds of people. And Lopez knew this when he was plotting his killing spree. Oh my gosh. On July 31st, 1981... 33 years at 33 years old he pled guilty to the murder of 57 girls and he was imprisoned in the same town where uh hortensia gonzada was mm, found, okay where he took her from and where she was found he was given the sentence that was the maximum for murder at that time hold your bits <laughs> I I'm going to have to hold my bits cuz I can see it in your face that I'm not going to like this. He was given 16 years. <gasps> no. It's the same whether you kill one person or hundreds of people. 16 years. I just lost all of my bits all over the place. You see them scattered. Yeah. You, well, you pick <laughs> them up. It's not a good scattered. look. <laughs> not a good look. Oh my gosh, no way. Yeah. No way. So after he starts his sentence, he was interviewed by a reporter in prison. He explained that his his crimes first, he says, were because of the sexual abuse that he'd endured as a child himself. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to take their innocence away from them the way that it had been taken in, from him through violence and force. Mm-hmm. But psychologists actually believe that he had another twisted desire. They believe that he that the children being poor was a weakness. He had no social recognition growing up. He felt insignificant. And killing these girls gave him a sense of power mm-hmm. and immortality and recognition that he had always wanted as a child. That, 100%, I believe. Oh, for sure. He got to be big. And I think it was a loaded issue, too, because I think it ties into what he went through himself. Yes. Like you pointed out, the ages that he targeted. It's That can't be All things tied Mm -hmm. together. Unlooked. I mean, that can't be... Overlooked. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. 
that can't be overlooked. Yeah. Yes. Take my take my picture for the the uh, page because I'm I'm just you a, lose. This is Amber losing her bit. It gets it gets <laughs> worse. Hold on, you're just oh, gonna have Lord. to collect what senses you have left because <laughs> I have no bits left. He spoke about his victims like he saved them from poverty and he called them his dolls. Oh, you which gagged me don't. that no, you don't get to use an enduring name. You disgusting. I can't even come up with a name for this man that would be fitting it. No. You know, sometimes we He's like to refer He's not even a wet him. fart. He's not. You're worse than a wet fart, and that's sir. that's bad. That is real bad. <laughs> that is really bad, sir. <sighs> He's worse couldn't, than any STD we would think like, of. Couldn't like, do something like, Papa! Come on, Papa! No, no. He should have been like, you're not my son. That would have been like a dagger the, to the heart. And then close the cell. Which I don't. I'm not your those papa. Behaviors. Yes. Like, close the you cell. have no papa. <laughs> Again, not a therapeutic response that I would ever use, but he deserves it. He's a master. And now this is bad. This is so bad. <sighs> another time, another uh, interview, he blamed another personality called Jorge Pantilla. Is, oh, the is what he called him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he turned into Jorge. Jorge did it. He didn't do it. Not Pedro. It was Jorge. Okay. Nice try. Nice try. Pedro. It was Pedro. A psychological evaluation determined that he suffered from an antisocial personality disorder and was classified as a sociopath. No surprise mm-hmm. there. What he does is for his own pleasure. He has no ability to have empathy for another human being and no concern for anyone else but himself. It actually says that in the report. I would say that is spot on. Yep. He felt nothing while murdering. He even says, and this is where he gets into trying to sound philosophical. He says, if I were to kill someone with a bullet and then you asked me to feel, do I feel what the person feels when they're being shot? No, because I'm not being shot with a bullet. I've never been shot with a bullet. So how could I possibly feel that? Because I don't know what it feels like. Mm. So for him, he's like, no, I didn't feel bad when I was strangling them because I've never been strangled. I don't know what strangulation mm-hmm. feels like. It's See, pretty concrete. Twisted mm-hmm. philosophical outlook Yeah. to completely justify and twist words so that he doesn't seem to be the sociopath that he is. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what they do. Or now that I'm thinking of it, literally can't comprehend that because he has no nope. empathy. Right. It's right. like that that concrete thinking, like, well, no, I haven't had that happen to me. What well, are you've you stubbed your about? toe before, Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So Pedro. you And you know that that hurts like no other. My God, oh, especially so if it's your pinky, pinky toe. Oh, 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 we can't talk about it. My, I can hear my pinky toe screaming in my shoes right now. I hope he stubbed his over and over like when he was that, in prison. On, that, on his cot. Yes. Just stuck right out there. Just again and again. Like the kind where it separates from your other toes. That's yeah. the worst. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, I hope One of that those. for him. Me too. We always come up with something horrific that we wish <laughs> on people. I like, you stub your pinky not toe, Not malicious sir. enough to kill them, but just enough to be like a, a really, really painful, annoying yes. situation. So tell me. So. He didn't get out early. I can't. My brain can't process that. He got out early, didn't he? I, I can't say he didn't. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So he knew and openly admits that he knew however many people he killed, he could mm-hmm. only get 16 years. What it ended up being, technically, it broke down to four months for every girl that he murdered. Wow. 
Wow. He spent two years in prison and was transferred to Quito, Ecuador. And he was kept in the Papadilla, which is the special section for rapists and murderers. I've actually heard of that section before. Referenced as that, I mean. He passed his time smoking and carving coins with Jesus on one side and the devil on the other. Mm. How philosophical of you, yeah, Pedro. Arts and crafts type now. Okay. <laughs> like, like in a retirement home. <laughs> God. Quilting and crafting. And he said that he's always lived in poverty, but he dreamed of living in power one day. So this is how That's he how got, he got his, his power. power. And honestly, probably living in a cell was better than living on the street. You just read my mind. I was thinking the same thing. <sighs> I'm good at that. <laughs> so he served his time, and he knew that he'd be free by the time before he turned 50. I mean, essentially. So he gets to live his golden yep. years of freedom? Yes. August 31st, 1994, he was released after serving 14 of the 16 years. He got released early for good behavior. He was only 45 when he was released. Citizens were outraged and wanted to take the law into their own hands. Citizens gathered wood to burn him alive. Wow. Yep. And they called they for. Pissed. They are. And they called for a reform of the laws. Please. Yep. He was detained just one hour after release so that he could be deported to Colombia because so that's where he's him? from. Well, oh, that's, where just, from. that's where he's from. Okay, he's like, gotcha. go back to where you're from. We are done with okay, you. Okay, gotcha. I was thinking they were like hiding him. No, no, no. September 1st, they handed him over to Colombia. It's like, here, now you're home, bastard. Stay there. And tell me we've got a, a vigilante coming in hot. Now, authorities feared that Lopez would continue to kill again, so officials picked him up and handed him to Colombia prosecutors. He was charged with a two decades old murder of one girl, little girl named Flora Sanchez. The mother had to at the time, two decades ago, had to identify her body that was found in a ditch covered with shrubbery just like Pedro's MO. And now we're in Colombia where he admitted to killing Yes. Many yep. people. They were hoping that the stricter laws that were now in place in Colombia mm-hmm. in 1994 um, would put Lopez away for life. But in late 1995, he was declared insane. So he did not get the punishment prosecutors were seeking. Yep. So he instead spent two years, well, two in a couple, two years and a couple of months in like a mental facility. And in February 1998, he was once declared, once again declared sane. Now, what? psychologists point out that he was smart enough that he could have faked being insane and then faked being better. Yeah. Yep. To meet his needs. I... He just had to pay a $50 bail and he had to report once a month to a judge and continue to have psychiatric treatment and he'd be released. So he was. Pardon my home alone face. <laughs> Seriously. Macaulay Culkin, put it back. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. Wow. $50 bail was released. This now, is going to sound really unintelligent, but it's the best way I can put this. But sometimes I just wonder why the law just can't change the damn law when something like right. this happens. I know. Exactly. Like, can we not just make a phone call to the president yeah, like, or something and say, hey, this is bad. Can we just override all yeah. these bills? We have this mass child murderer. Mm-hmm. Can we do something? Yep. Mm, sorry, it's the law. I right. just, it's so hard for me to comprehend yep. me too. that. Me too. Because Limiting. not... 
limited belief system. Yes, yes. Oh my god. And we know the justice system is is very flawed. There's good things about it, and there's flawed things mm-hmm. about it. For and sure, this is one of the flaws. Once released, he went to his mother for the first time since he was a child. <gasps> oh, you know, so there asked. it is. There mm-hmm. it is. But he was very cruel to her. He wanted her to kneel down in front of him. And she said, excuse me, bitch. Come again? You came out of my vagina? <laughs> you kneeled down to me. <laughs> like, literally, that's not what she said. I wish that but was what, what she, she said. did say was the son kneels to the mother. Oh, mm. I did bet he did not like that. You know. Fine, she put it a little bit more PC <laughs> than I did, but I like my version I'm gonna, better. I'm going to go with your version. Yeah. And so he kneeled on one knee, which was an insult. Oh, okay. Demanded his inheritance. And she's like, look around you, bitch. I live in a shack with a bed and a yeah, chair. here's your inheritance. That's what she said. She's like, Pedro. I have a bed and a chair. So you know what this MFR does? He puts the bed and the chair out on the front porch to sell it and tells her, that if he if he can't get somebody to buy it, he's gonna light it on fire before he's gonna let her have it. Luckily, so he shows up. A neighbor buys the chair in the bed. He pockets the money. Adios, mom. Wow. Mama. Wow. <laughs> Madre. Bye, mama. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he pieces out well, of there. He obviously has a lot of anger toward her. We've got some mommy issues. Yes, for sure. Big time. So he disappeared. And, and it's believed that he retreated to the killing grounds of Colombia where he had taken so many victims before and went into hiding. This situation was the, with with his mother was the last reported interaction anyone ever had with Lopez. Wow, so he just disappeared. He disappeared. His mother believes that he managed to avoid being killed by the families who are still seeking justice. Oh, yeah. She says, very poetically, when a person dies, it's revealed to others that they are dead. This is what she believes in her spiritual faith. Okay. And at this time, nothing has been revealed to her, so she believes that he's still alive. Oh. This so was she, it's like time. she would kind of know When somehow. I say at this time, this is back in when he's released in 98, 99. Right. So okay. at this point, mm-hmm. he's probably. Well, he'd be 72 years okay, old if so he's still alive. There's a chance he's still alive. Now, 20 years after the murders, Ecuadorian lawmakers changed the law from for murder from 16 years to 25 years oh she thinks they now thanks wow and it's really going the extra miles after 20 years they were like maybe we should get around to extending that a little bit um i mean no disrespect it wasn't 20 years after they called for reform from what i understand it's it was 20 years from the date of from the, the first murder. Okay, gotcha. And I will throw this out there. I couldn't find, this is back in 98. Mm-hmm. Or, well, well, when did he first, 71? So, yeah, okay. you said 71 to 79 or 80, somewhere in there, right? Yes, okay. 1980. So in 2000, they changed the laws. I wasn't able to find today mm-hmm. if they've updated it. I wasn't able to find if it's 25 years is the minimum sentence and there's no possibility of parole like they usually do. So it might be different. But their initial law change was from 16 to 25. October 2002, Interpol released an advisory for the capture of Lopez because he was wanted in connection of the murder of yet another young girl. Oh, 
Really? Uh-huh. You don't Sh- say. What? That's shocking. Because he, they he usually... offended They usually rehabilitate for oh that sort goodness. of thing, right? This is such a sad, tragic, mm-hmm. completely avoidable... I wouldn't say all avoidable, no. but like... You he know, could have been in prison for life. It yes. is absolutely avoidable. Yes. Any further killings that he does is avoidable. They were avoidable. Ugh. So horrible. He's still at large today, and he'd be 72 years old if he's still alive. A lot of people believe that he's dead. I think he would still be out there. I 100% hear it. We knew he could re- hack it yep. on his own on the streets. That was exactly, his life. Exactly. Exactly. He is still out there, and he is still maiming and murdering, as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't throw that option out. Uh-huh. I mean, he lived a young, a young age yep. through the hardest times. He can hack it yep. out there hiding. And, and this is feeding into his pleasure principle. Okay? We all... Our entire life, no matter how old we get, still have a pleasure principle operating in our brain. So it is a need that we all have that is just like hunger, that is just like thirst. Okay. We have to do something that pleases us. I'm putting it very, very simply, but you guys, you get the gist. He's out there with his old pleasure principle. So he's doing something. Yes. Whether he's still murdering. If at the very least he's still molesting, yeah. grooming, those yeah. sorts of things, if he's still alive. Maybe he's not, but we d- we don't know. He was given the name the Monster of the Andes. Very Accurate. good name. Yes. And I do want to point out that the Guinness Book of World Records in 1996 named him as the most prolific serial killer in the world because he claimed over 300 victims, to which the public was outraged. That that was put in there, and it was the making serial killings a competition. Mm-hmm, for sure. So they redacted it because they Thank realized that was in poor taste. To which I say, WTF, to any of the people involved in... When you you and I talked about this, all the different people that are involved in publishing a book and not no one, one person... Like, maybe this is a bad idea. Like, hey, wait. Poor taste. Right. What? It probably went through a long chain, and not one person was like... Mm, Maybe this this will be, uh, you know, we'd get some backlash for this. Right. It made it all the way to the books, right? Yeah, it did. It did. And, and then, then people they, were like, yep, whoa. Then they had to reprint with it with it redacted, with it taken I'm out. I'm glad they did that. Yes. And especially because we really don't know, um, as we've seen with case time and time again with sociopaths, they often claim more victims than what mm-hmm. is substantiated upon. Because it's like a trophy to yeah, them. Yeah, because so it, that, it that feeds record, into that even more. For sure. Which is another reason why we shouldn't have any sort of competition for and it. And we also talked about, I think, in the, the one before that, um, you know, with that Guinness World Record piece, that it's, it's almost an honor. Well, it is an it honor. It is, yeah. So to someone... You know, this a sociopath. Yep. That's that's an honor. That exactly. That so, is one more way to feed into their need to be big. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Guinness, for um, recognizing taking that out. Right, right. I also want to note because of the time frame of this, there was a point in time where some of the murders um, that, even though he was imprisoned. Some of the murders that Lu- Luis Gatavito was doing and they would uncover bodies, they thought was the work of Pedro Lopez. Oh, wow. Until it was identified that it was males and had Gatavito's um, MO on it mm-hmm. instead of of Pedro's. Horrible to have two of them uh-huh. running around. Yeah, which really we did in America as well. If we, we started oh, looking, yeah. <laughs> once the stuff we break down, we realize, oh my gosh, this guy is out there offending at the same, the same time, time as this. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. We can't think about it too much or we'll never sleep again. For sure. With that, let's move to the brain bath. Okay? Cleanse me. 
This one, this one I can see Charnel doing someday. Oh, okay. It might read, true crime podcast host Charnel drives a toy truck, <laughs> leading police on a slow speed pursuit while intoxicated. <laughs> you could see that happening I someday see, on the headlines. I can see me feeling like this is a great idea and thinking that I am going at the speed of light oh, in sure, a sure. toy Hot Wheels. Because that is what this woman was oh, doing. Oh, please, yes. Please indulge me. What What happened was South Carolina police in June of 2019 charged a woman in Wahala with public intoxication after she allegedly found, was found cruising down the road in a silver Power Wheels truck not far from her home. So when you say the Power Wheels, is it like the child's like yes. battery charge? She like... got in her kid. She stole her kid's Power Wheels. Just so your size. So right. like I can fit in those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my Plus, goodness. I live in a subdivision, so it's like I can see myself being like, "Move over, kid." Oh, for sure. Like the Grinch in. <laughs> With Jim Carrey when he gets into the tiny toy car. You made the right choice. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can see myself doing this. Why can I see that happening as well? She was a 20, her name was um, Megan Holman. She was 25 years old. She avoided a DUI charge because her mode of transport was a toy, not a vehicle. Well played, Megan. When investigators asked Holman to explain the situation, she said she was riding the toy truck as part of a scavenger hunt and that she wanted to be a professional wrestler like her father, and this is how you do it. (laughs) I never had aspirations to be a professional wrestler, but not making any damn sense, I could totally see myself doing it, too. for sure. It sounds like Megan was having a heck of a good time. She sure was. You know what? Megan, I could be friends with you. Yeah, and I'm like, she's life. not hurting anyone. She was in a toy power wheel. Can you imagine the police pulling up behind it? <laughs> Just letting like, her go for a minute. Yeah. Like, this battery is bound to die. They're like, is this for real? <laughs> like, what is going on? And you know, she was like, I got him now. Oh, yeah. I'm getting away. I can't see chase. me, but I'm doing the little steering wheel <laughs> motion. <laughs> Oh, that was a good brain back. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Well I done. Really enjoyed that one. No one got hurt. It wasn't malicious. It was just some good old fashioned hillbilly just cruising. Yeah. <laughs> Drunken fun. I can get down. I, I am here for this. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, all right, guys. Well, we hope you keep listening. We hope you keep it curious. Please feel free to follow us on all of your favorite social platforms. We are there. Just search Crime Curious. We're there. And you are welcome to email us case suggestions, crimecurious at yahoo.com. And if you feel so inclined, we would love to um, have you rate us and let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. We like reading those. We love knowing that we have people out there that like us and Well, until next time, guys, uh, keep your, if you've got a dirty stash, clean it up. (laughs) Keep that stash trimmed. That's my advice. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.